0: of a series we started uh, last, year, last week to kind of kick off the new year called Best Year Ever. And uh, I want to encourage you, if you haven't, you know, if you missed last week, you haven't gone back and watched it yet, go back and watch last week's uh, sermon. You can get, catch it on our app or on our website. But since I know that most of you won't, uh, I'm going to give you a little recap before we start uh, today, okay? So, so last week we talked about, you know, anytime you start a new year, just like we are this year, obviously, it's, it's, it's a brand new year, brand new decade. It's a great time to take an inventory of our lives and uh, see where we need to change, where we need to grow. A lot of people are into making New Year's resolutions, you know, uh, but especially spiritually speaking, like when it comes to our relationship with God, starting a new year like this is a great time to ask God to search our hearts and and, uh, show us areas we need to to grow and to change. And one of those areas that that I contend all of us can can grow in, if you call yourself a Christian, there's one area in all of our lives that we can grow in in this new year. And that is prayer. Prayer. And and prayer is one of those things you you can't do too much of. Now, Whether you pray a lot and you're you're really consistent, like you, in spending time with God and you constantly are praying to him or you're someone who almost never prays. no matter where you fall in between, we can all stand to grow in the area of prayer. We could all be praying more. And we looked at scripture and how Jesus, you know, not only did he teach about prayer, but he modeled it with his life. He was constantly withdrawing from the crowds and from his disciples, even getting alone and praying. We looked at the the early church in the book of Acts and how they were constantly getting together to pray and they were devoting themselves to prayer. And prayer is one of those things for even if you've been a Christian a long time, it can be kind of intimidating. And you're not really sure if you're doing it right. And you, you think some people pray better than others. And, and we, we overcomplicate it. And we think we have to pray using certain words. And we have to sound really smart and spiritual and have all these eloquent lines that we're saying to God in this Christianese language that some of us uh, don't speak, right? And it's scary to us. It, but the fact is, it couldn't be more simple. Prayer is just uh, talking to God. It's a two-way conversation between us and God. God just wants us to talk to him. He's not uh, impressed by our big words. He wants us to be able to talk to him the way we talk to each other, the way you would talk to your best friend. And so we could all grow in the area of prayer. And I'm right there with you. I'm not very disciplined when it comes to to spending time praying and spending time with God. It's not something I'm just going to naturally do in my everyday life unless And again, like we said last week, unless we have structure and accountability. Anytime we lack discipline in our lives, we need to add some structure and accountability. And that's what I suggested that we all do in this new year when it comes to praying, when it comes to spending time alone with God. And so this was our challenge last week. The 2020 challenge number one was 20 minutes a day with God. We challenge you five days a week, 20 minutes a day with God. And we made it so easy for you. In case you haven't heard, we kind of launched this new area of our app last week. Uh, And in fact, if you weren't here and you haven't checked it out yet and you have the app, open the app up and go ahead and take a look at it right now. There's a a section called Daily Devos. And we laid it out for you uh, Monday through Friday. If you you click on Monday, you'll Get a link to a worship song that you can start your kind of time with God with. Uh, There's the daily reading you can read. Then the next section is, is kind of study questions, questions about the scripture and how it applies to our lives and then specific ways you can pray. Uh, and, and then finally, there's a, a section where if you have a question about scripture, you can fill out this form and it sends Clayton an email, and he can answer questions you might have. I mean, it, it's so very cool. And I don't know if any of you guys have started using it. I know there's hundreds of people that have because we can see, you know, when the, la- the the apps get launched and stuff. But the feedback has been awesome on this app. I just want to read a couple of uh, comments we've gotten about it. One person said, "This Devo app is amazing." I hope it goes all year. It's just what I've been needing. And yes, we are committed to doing this for you all year long. And we're going to do it all together. So I hope, again, that you're, you're making use of that. Another person said, thank you for taking the time and having a heart to grow this church family through the daily devotional. It's so good. And my prayer is that a true and deep relationship with our God forms in the hearts of many because of it. And, and that's our prayer for you and for me and for all of us in this new year to grow in our relationship with God by, by being committed to spending time with Him. And our, our big idea last week was this. Closet prayer will change your life and is the key to your best year ever. Closet prayer, not just praying before meals, not just saying little quick prayers here and there, but, but, but a devoted, isolated time where you shut the door, you get alone with God, you, you block out the noise, and you spend time with him praying, that is the key to our best year ever, why? Because what will lead us into our best year ever is living God's best for us. God has a plan for all of us and it should be our goal to to live our lives in the center of his will. As we seek him and ask him and he leads us step by step, We, we invite him into our daily lives, the way it was intended to be. That's going to lead us to our best year ever. So that was, that was closet prayer. Today, we're, we're looking at a different kind of prayer. And it's called corporate prayer. Corporate prayer. Uh, praying in groups. Like coming together as a body of believers and spending time in prayer. And we're going to start where we did last week, Acts chapter 2. The very first believers, again, how they lived their life. Acts 2.42 says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and to sharing and meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So again, the very first Christians that there were, they were devoted to prayer. They were constantly praying in all kinds of different ways. They prayed together in the temple and in their homes. When they were sick, they would come together and pray for each other. When they were in times of persecution, they would come together and pray again and again and again. And we find them all together devoting themselves to prayer. Now, how many churches today do you think have a dedicated time set aside for the church to come together just to pray? I think you would be shocked at how few do. And, and that's sad because corporate prayer might be the most vital thing a church can do. It might be the, the, the most important thing we can do of all the things a church could be doing. Prayer is at the top of the list. Jim Cimbala is just a champion of prayer. He wrote Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, and a bunch of other books. But I want to share a quote from the book with you. He says, if we call upon the Lord, he's promised in his word to answer, to bring the unsaved to himself, to pour out his spirit among us. If we don't call upon the Lord, he's promised nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. It's as simple as that. God's word is full of promises, and he promises us if we come to him and we pray, he's promised an answer. He'll draw the lost to himself. He'll draw the the hurting and the hopeless to himself. His spirit will be here among us, changing hearts and lives, but if we don't call on him, he has promised us absolutely nothing. So as a church, Corporate prayer is one of the the most important things we can be spending our time doing. And Acts is full of examples of the the early church doing just that, getting together to pray. And so I want to share one of those stories with you. It's one of my absolute favorite stories in in all of the Bible. It's in Acts 12. And so if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Acts 12. We're going to be reading a lot uh, from it today. If you don't have a Bible, uh, you can open our app on uh, the message notes, and you can, the scriptures are there, the points are there, there's some cool fill-in-the-blank stuff uh, kind of keep you engaged and from uh, nodding off, so uh, open that and take, take use of it. But just to catch you up, what's happening in, in Acts chapter 12, uh, you know, Jesus has has ascended into heaven after he rose from the dead, he's he's ascended, uh, the, the good news of the gospel is beginning to spread, the Holy Spirit has come. Um, Paul's kind of doing his thing among the Jews. And and then Peter is going out among the Gentiles, the the non-Jewish people, and sharing the good news about Jesus. Now, the king in that time, the king of Judea, was a guy by the name of King Herod Agrippa. And uh, he he has this vast kingdom, this huge area comprised mainly of Jewish people. And he finds himself having to walk this fine line between, um, you know, appeasing the Jewish people that he's leading... And also pleasing uh, the emperor in Rome, who he basically works for. And he finds out pretty quick he's pretty good at keeping both sides happy. But he's concerned when he hears about this group of people going around talking about this king of the Jews. Because after all, he is the king of the Jews. And he realizes that all he has to do to appease the Jews and also impress the emperor is to start killing Christians. And so that's what he does We'll pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 12. It says, About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. And when Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him. Placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each, Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. So, Herod has already killed some Christians. He's killed James, he's arrested Peter. And the same fate awaits Peter. This is not a good situation. I mean, it's desperation time for the church. And this is where the story takes a turn in verse 5. It says, but while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. They were desperate. Peter was just hours away from a, a trial and being executed. And of course, the believers, not knowing what else to do, they got together and they prayed. They prayed Earnestly. And this is so applicable to us because it, it shows us, as it does other places in Scripture and throughout the book of Acts especially, what happens when people come together and pray and pray earnestly and what God can do. And the miracle starts in verse 6. It says, the night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the, at the prison gate. So remember, there was like 16 guards watching over him. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to to wake him up and said, quick, get up, let's go. And the chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel told him, get dressed, put on your sandals, and he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. (laughs) And so here you have Peter who, by the way, thinks he's dreaming, right? He thinks this can't possibly be real. It's it's a vision or something. He, He follows this angel out of the cell, past two different guard posts, and all the way to the gates of the city, which, by the way, as they walk up to the gates, they open for them automatically, right? And then the angel disappears, and Peter's left standing there in the street alone. And then in verse 11, it says, Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true. He said, the Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. So he, he realizes, man, a miracle has just happened. I'm not dreaming. I'm actually out of prison. And that brings me to the first point today. And that's this. When the church prays, God does the impossible. When we are are faithful to come together and join together in prayer, God does the impossible. God does things that wouldn't normally have otherwise happened. Things change when we're faithful to pray. He does the impossible. People were praying for Peter and God answered at just the right time. In verse 12. When he realized this, when he comes to his senses, he realizes, I'm not dreaming, I'm not having a vision, but I'm actually out of prison. He went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. They were gathered there praying for Peter. He knocked at the door in the gate, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. This is hilarious. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. So so think about this. Peter's a fugitive at this point. He's just busted out of prison, and he goes to what he thinks is going to be a safe place. He knocks at the door, and this girl, instead of opening the door, leaves and goes back inside and says, Peter's out there. And what happens? What happens next? You, you can't make this stuff up. They tell Rhoda, you're out of your mind, they said. Like, Rhoda, what, are you crazy? Like, Peter's, Peter's in jail. We're, we're praying for him. Uh, there, there's, there's no Peter out there. Like, Rhoda, come on, Rhoda. I mean, who... who By the way, didn't we say no kids at this thing? You know, it's like, whose kid is this that's ruining our spiritual prayer time and telling us all this nonsense, But, but Rhoda persisted. No, I promise, I heard his voice. It really is him. She kept insisting that it was him. And so when she wouldn't let it go, they finally decided to tell her, listen, it must be an angel. It's probably his angel, it's probably his ghost or something, right? You know, kids, they don't understand all this deep spiritual stuff, you know, they'll believe anything, so let's just tell her, you know, it, it's, it's his angel. Question for you, these people that were gathered and, and praying earnestly for Peter, what was their level of, of expectation? Like what did they really believe God was gonna do when they were praying for Peter? Did they really believe what they were praying for was going to happen? Because here, here, Peter walks out of prison, shows up at the door. Rhoda says, Peter's here. And they say, whatever. What was their level of expectation? And where's Peter? He's still outside. (laughs) Let's keep reading. It says, meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. He's a fugitive. He's, He's locked outside. He keeps knocking. When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. They were were amazed. He motioned for them to quiet down and told them how the Lord had led him out of prison. My second point, when the church prays, God exceeds our expectations. He exceeds our expectations. Again, what were they expecting God to do as they prayed? You know, I've always been So impressed with this group of people that there's this dire situation. They come together, they're praying, and it leads to to Peter walking out of prison, escorted by an angel. Like this huge miracle, right? They must have been these spiritual giants that were praying these incredible prayers. But what were they even praying for? Think about it. If I were there and I was part of this prayer meeting, I would be looking at the situation and be like, man, it's not looking good for Peter. I would probably pray things like, Lord, give him peace. You know, God, give him favor with the guards, give him favor in his trial. And, you know, if he's to be executed, which we all know he's going to be, I pray, God, that he wouldn't suffer. Make it swift. (laughs) My guess is they weren't praying, God, send an angel to bust him out of jail and lead him to our door. Because if they had been praying that, they wouldn't have been surprised when Rhoda tells them, Peter's outside. See, they're just like us. They're regular people that didn't know what else to do, but pray, but that's the key. They were faithful to pray. They prayed, they prayed earnestly. They probably didn't pray these huge faith filled prayers even because God blew away their expectations. And listen, their expectations weren't blown away just because of what happened to Peter. No, it gets way better than that. If you keep reading, you read that Herod, who was again, hunting and killing Christians He finds out that Peter's gone and he gets ticked off and he kills all the guards that were watching him. And then he leaves town. He leaves town for a few days. And this is great news, again, for the Christians that are being hunted and killed. And not only that, but a short time later, a few verses down, he's sitting on his throne in his royal robes. And he's talking to this delegation of people who start to say that that King Herod is a god. And in verse 23, it says this, instantly an angel of the Lord struck Herod with a sickness because he accepted the people's worship instead of giving the glory to God. So he was consumed with worms and died. Coincidence? But it gets better than that. The next verse says this, meanwhile, the word of God continued to spread and there were many new believers these people praying earnestly, but probably not very faith-filled, big, huge prayers. They were, they were praying for Peter, and God said, I can do better than that. And Peter walks out of jail, shows up, their, up at their house. And God says, I can do better than that. I can cause Herod to leave. I can do better than that. I can end his rule in an instant. And oh, by the way, I can even do better than that. And I can cause the church to to grow and multiply so that the gospel continues to spread. He exceeded their expectations at every turn and he wants to do the same for us. If we call on his name, if we pray to him, some of you here are in need of the impossible in your life. Some of you are in situations that you can't see a way past. You can't see a way out of. Are you being faithful to pray for the impossible? Some of your families are facing impossible things. Have you brought your families together to pray? Our our country is facing some impossible things. Are we being faithful to pray for God to move? We're being faithful to pray for our our nation's leaders. Prayer changes everything. God will do the impossible. He'll exceed our expectations if we pray. So here's our big idea today. This is last week's closet prayer will change your life. It's the key to your best year ever. But corporate prayer Corporate prayer will change your family, will change our our church, our city, and our nation. Corporate prayer can change everything. You think God's not powerful enough to change your situation, to move in our city, to change our nation? We serve the same God that they prayed to that day when Peter walked out of prison. And so here's our challenge in light of all this. Last week, 2020 challenge number one was 20 minutes a day with God. 20 minutes a day with God, five days a week. Challenge number two is 20 city nights gatherings this year. 20 city nights gatherings. Now, if you're not aware, we meet on Wednesday nights at 6.30. It's called city nights. It's our worship and prayer service. We're challenging you in this new year to come to 20 of them. This is not asking a lot, right? That's less than half by, by a lot, right? But I get it, man. People's schedules are busy. Kids' schedules are out of control with extracurricular stuff and sports and all that. I get it. But our, our, our heart for our church, our, our prayer for us is that we see that meeting continue to grow in number. There were about 100 of us this last Wednesday night in a room back there praying for, for today, praying for you, praying for each other, praying for God to move in our church, will you commit to come to at least 20? It's my favorite thing that we do. I mean, I think a lot of people that come consistently to that gathering will tell you, man, I leave completely filled up, completely refreshed. As we sing to God, we, we pray for our church, for its ministries. We pray for other ministries across our city, across the world. We pray for each other. We lift each other up. We're there for each other when we're when we're struggling the way a church family should. Man, I got to tell you, you're missing out. What will you commit to joining us and watch what God does as we are faithful to pray? You know, Jesus told us very explicitly what his church should be all about. There was a day when he walked into the temple and there was a lot going on he didn't approve of. There were some people changing money in the, in the front there, ripping people off. He got really upset. And he drives them all out of there. I mean, it was probably an amazing thing to watch, right? He gets mad, <laughs> turns over tables, drives the people out, and he says, what? He says, my house will be called a house of prayer. I want my church to be about prayer. They should be known for prayer. What do they do at that church? They pray. I want my house to be known as a house of prayer. Another quote from Jim Cimbala's book. He said, you can tell how popular a church is by who comes on Sunday morning. You can tell how popular the pastor or evangelist is by who comes on Sunday night, but you can tell how popular Jesus is by who comes to the prayer meeting. City Church, what are we gonna be known for? What is it that we're gonna be all about? What will they say about us? we have good music oh that church has, has good teaching that, that we have a relaxed atmosphere, we make people feel comfortable, welcomed how about this year we make City Church about prayer City Church prays they are faithful to pray earnestly every opportunity they have Will you join us? We can make this the best year ever for our church. Now, for the rest of the time we have here today, we're going to do a little bit of what we do at City Nights. We take time to to pray for each other, to lift each other up. And I've got a couple of different prayer topics, things I want to pray for, things we want to pray over some of you. Now, here's what this requires of you is transparency, vulnerability, some boldness, right? Because I'm gonna read some of these prayer topics and some of you in the room are gonna to start to have butterflies and your heart's gonna be a little harder and you'll be like, dude, I know that I'm supposed to stand up and get some prayer, uh, but some of you won't. You'll, you'll stay sitting down. And I wanna remind you though, that God promises us answers and that he'll change our situations if we're faithful to pray. He promises us nothing if we stay sitting down, if we don't call upon him, if we don't ask him. So I'm asking you to, to respond if God leads you to. Church is not a place where we should come and pretend like we have it all together. Like we, you know, have it all figured out. Like we don't have any problems. We, you know, that's what a lot of us do though. We put these masks on. We pretend like we have it all figured out. Like everything's fine. We pass 30 people in the lobby. How are you doing? I'm fine. I'm good. Everything's going good. When you know it's not true, right? I say this all the time to our city night crowd, but it's it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to admit that you need prayer. And as a church family should, that gives us the opportunity to minister to each other, to pray for each other, to hold each other up. You're not in this alone. We all go through the same things. We're all in this together, man. So the first one I want to pray for is over these 2020 challenges, you know, the 20 minutes a day and 20 city nights uh, gatherings. There's a lot of people that are trying to put this into practice. And so if you're one where you're like, man, I need to grow in my relationship with God. I need to stop wishing that I would and just start doing it. And, and you want us to pray for you that God will help you, uh, you know, give you the strength to build it into your schedule and to actually have some follow through in this year. And you want you want to grow in your relationship with God. You want to put these challenges into practice. And you want us to pray for you as you do that. I want to ask you to stand so that we can pray for you. awesome. So this part, this is where you get to minister to your brothers and sisters in Christ, right? There's a lot of people standing. I want to ask if the rest of you will kind of come around these guys and put a hand on their shoulder. We don't want anything weird, right? Don't grab their neck or push on their head or anything. Just a hand on the shoulder and let's pray for them. So if you want to get up, move towards them. There's a lot of folks, so make sure everybody has somebody. If you see somebody standing alone, Don't let them be alone. And let's just pray. I'll give you a few seconds just to pray for that person that that God would help them to to follow through, that they would uh, find themselves in this new year growing in their relationship with God like they never have before. I'll give you a few seconds to pray and then I'll have a prayer team member close us out on the microphone.
1: Father, it's so encouraging to see the number of people in this building standing up to say yes, standing up to say yes to you, uh, yes to committing to come to prayer night. Lord, we hear it around here all the time that if we want results like we see in the book of Acts, we need to pray like they do in the book of Acts. And Father, this is just a great opportunity to do that. Lord, I know that uh, it's you that's speaking to these people that have stood uh, not, not Brandon, not anybody else, but you in their hearts sing, uh, just working through them to uh, be ministers of change in our community and in our family. Uh, Lord, you promised this all over Scripture, that if, uh, if, if we turn our hearts to you and humble ourselves in prayer, that you will do amazing things in our lives, amazing things in our communities. Uh, Father, we're praying that. We're praying that, that as we rise up as a body to pray, as we rise up as a body to commit to come to uh, the worship prayer night, that we would see change, that you would bring victories into our lives that we'd be able to see and know that they're the result of prayer and how you are intervening in our lives and intervening in our situations, intervening in work. Uh, every, every situation in our lives and in our communities, we can see you at work. Uh, Lord, we, uh, open, we're open. we open to that. We're open to saying yes to you and through prayer, taking on some of these um, big challenges in our lives. So Father, I pray for blessings. I pray that, that you would open up times for people to pray, that you would uh, speak to people clearly, that they would uh, be here and pray as a community of believers. Father, as we're together doing this, again, that we would see huge victories before us that you would put in our way and remind us, hey, this is something that we prayed for. Bless us as we move into this new year, Lord. Amen.
0: Amen. You guys can have a seat. One more. If you're here, and like I, like I said a while ago, you, um, you need God to do the impossible, in your life, in this new year, you want to you want to pray for the impossible. It could be uh, whatever the situation is—a a family thing, relational thing. It could be marriage. It could be finances. It could be health. It could be anything. But but this year, you want to be courageous enough to pray for the impossible—that God would do a miracle in your life and change your situation. I want to ask you to stand so we can pray for you. Anybody else? Your hearts are beating fast. you got the butterflies. It's time to stand up. <laughs> awesome. Let's gather around these guys. Same thing. Let's lay a hand on their shoulder. Let's pray that God will do the impossible for them this year. That they would have, at the end of this year, they would have such a testimony of how God moves and the miracle that he performed in their lives that it would just be an amazing thing that only God could do. I'll give you a few seconds to pray and then one of our prayer team members will close us out.
2: Father God, we come boldly before your throne this morning and we just ask for your mighty miracles to rain down from heaven, Father God, from your mighty right hand. We know that your word declares that you know that the plans that you have for us, plans to uh, prosper us, plans for good and not for evil, Father. We boldly declare your word, Father, for the families that are broken and lost, for those that we have prayed for to be saved, Father, for those that we have... um, Those broken relationships, Father, for those that have turned their back on you, Um, for financial situations, Father God, for the struggling, for the pain, for the worry, for the grief that we endured in 2019, Father God, we pray for a refreshing in 2020. We pray that um, all the words in every Thing that you've spoken over us, Father God, as your word states that um, everything out of your mouth, uh, every word, every utterance never returns back void, but fulfills the the purpose for which it was sent. Uh, We not only pray that, but we... We believe it, Father. We are standing the gap of faith for every promise you have spoken over our lives, for every song that you have sang over us, Father God, I pray for refreshing. Would you remind us of your promises daily? Would you remind us that you are a promise keeper, that you are forever for us, and when you be for us, there can be none against us. We thank you, Father God, for who you are, not for the situations that we face that threaten to overtake us, for the overwhelming uh, emotions that come with the struggle, Father God, but for who you are, that you are always present in times of trouble, that you are a stronghold, uh, a safety that we can run in times of trouble. So we just, we thank you for all that you're going to do, Father God, believing for greater in this year, believing for mighty miracles to rain down from heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Now, if we'd all just stand, we're going to continue to sing. As we do, there's more opportunities for prayer. We're going to have prayer team members on the sides. If if you want more prayer, even if you just stood, if you want someone to pray with you specifically about something, they're there for you. If you have another need, something pressing that you want prayer for, they're there for you. We're going to sing songs about the faithfulness of God, the, the God that's able to make a way where there is no way. And I, I want us to sing today just with faith-filled hearts, expecting God to move in us, expecting God to move in our 2020 as this uh, becomes our best year ever because of God moving in us, our relationship with him reaching new levels. I can't wait to see what he does as you pray with me. God, we thank you so much for your promises and your faithfulness. God, we know that your word tells us that you delight in every detail of our lives the big stuff, the small stuff, everything in between. God, you want to be right in the middle of us in our lives, day to day, minute by minute, step by step. And God, I pray we would be faithful to give you that space in our lives and be faithful just like this group in Acts 12, that we'd be faithful to come together as a group and pray earnestly for the impossible. God, move in this church, move in our city. But God, we know that it starts with you moving in our hearts. It's in your name we pray. Amen.